Welcome to CPAC's Today in Politics. It's Monday, April 17th. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Here are the big political stories we're talking about today. The House of Commons returns from a two-week break with the topic of Chinese interference in Canada's elections still top of mind. We continue to be resolute that a open, transparent process is required. Pierre Poilievre blames a wave of street violence on the Liberals and the NDP and continues to take aim at the CBC. The uh, CBC, uh, frankly, is a biased propaganda arm of the Liberal Party and, frankly, negatively affects all, all media. And we could find out today if the federal government will face a workers' strike. People are falling into debt and making sacrifices just to make ends meet. And the experience of workers in the federal public service is no different. Joining us is Rob Russo, political analyst and former CBC Parliamentary Bureau Chief. Good morning, Rob. How are you, Julie? I'm just great. Uh, we had a nice weekend of beautiful weather. Not so nice anymore, but perfect to do our podcasts. So. And you know what that means in Ottawa. A snowstorm is on its way. Oh, I know. Around the corner. So. Yeah. Uh, so we've been in a two-week break, Rob, but lots has been happening and uh, probably not going to see much of a break on the whole issue of Chinese interference in Canada's elections. I guess we should really touch on the last thing that happened was Katie Telford at the committee on Friday. Did she enlighten us in any way on this subject? No. You know, I I, I love the House of Commons. I, I, I love Parliament like you, Julie. Um, and not, not like you. You, you, you were a real baby when you arrived there. I was a, just a, a pup. So I've seen it work. And, and it's just sad when opportunities like this Telford's appearance, where you could shed light on, on uh, important subjects like our democracy and the future of our democracy and the threats to our democracy are uh, squandered. And I thought that was an opportunity squandered. Uh, it showed me that the house is no home for any kind of uh, serious discussion like the discussion on Chinese interference. So, I mean, uh, you know, let's face it, uh, the uh, Liberals tried for weeks to filibuster her coming there. So she's come and gone. Uh, and you wonder why, don't you, Julie? Like after after how nimbly and, mm-hmm. and bloodlessly Katie mm-hmm. Telford just turned aside queries uh, answering answering the ones that she wanted to and then saying that she couldn't answer others. You wonder why the Liberals put up such a fight, uh, why they wasted weeks uh, uh, trying trying to foot drag her appearance, because it it it, uh, it it didn't make any sense. She didn't hurt them. Uh, mm-hmm. Certainly she's everybody knows that that she's a deft performer, that, that she uh, she's been around now for eight years as his chief of staff. I think mm-hmm. next month she will be the longest serving chief of staff ever since the position was created in the late 70s. Um, so why did the liberals fight so hard? I don't know. They, but, you know, why did the conservatives ask questions uh, mostly about a global news report, mm-hmm. which uh, the, the national security advisor, uh, the, the head of uh, the head of CSIS, has, the, both of them have said that that report was inaccurate. And so that allowed Miss Telford to say those reports are inaccurate. Um, but when she was asked about whether or not reporting by the Globe Mail, which is based on documents, was accurate or not, she was uh, she she threw up her hands and said, "I can't really get into that." So so Miss Telford was selective about what she said was accurate and what she couldn't comment on. I think one can presume, given her refusal to 
discuss the Globe Mail's reporting and her uh, her alacrity to dismiss Global's reporting um, that uh, that the Globe Mail's probably get, got pretty accurate reporting in its pages these days. Right. And, uh, you know, in the end, I guess if you could sum up what she said, it's all about the fact that Trudeau saw all sorts of briefings, uh, two investigations and, you know, have concluded that, um, uh, you know, there was no uh, uh, the results of both elections, 2019 and 2021, uh, were not uh, affected by, by the interference that happened. But that's not going to shut the door on this story, right? Uh, this, the sidebar for sure last week was at the Trudeau Foundation. Um, the president, the board of directors resigned en masse all over this Chinese donation. Uh, so where does that go from here? Well, it's that that you're right, absolutely right, Julie. That the 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 issue of an inquiry into Chinese interference is now is now into some tall grass for a little while uh, until David Johnson makes his recommendations, which will probably come in a few weeks or a month. Um, but the issue of the Trudeau Foundation breathes new life in, into this. And this morning we got a very interesting story from Le Devoir, which said that it, which is reporting that it was the foundation that solicited the donation it wasn't the chinese that uh that offered it um uh, they eventually paid it um but but it was it was the uh, the foundation uh, who who asked for it uh, which, which again puts the foundation in a in a rather bad light now it's the pierre elliott trudeau foundation but it shares the last name of the current prime minister uh, so he's the, he's the one who's who's being covered in, in the muck of all of that, and it points out, Julie, uh, uh, something that Parliament did uh, some some twenty years ago. Now it created this foundation with public money, and you just wonder why they did it. You and you wonder why all parties apparently it was unanimous. Uh, there was unanimous consent to provide the foundation in the name of the former prime minister with one hundred and twenty five million dollars of public money. Um, why they would do that and why they would think that at some point uh, some sort of political conflict of interest might not rear its head uh, baffles me. I'm pretty sure that's probably going to be the first and the last time a former prime minister has ever been so honored. But I mean, the conservatives have to ask themselves as well, why did they do it? And now they say it was their predecessors, who mm -hmm. did it, their predecessor mm -hmm. parties, but their mm -hmm. predecessor parties were you know, the Reform Party and yeah. and yeah. and the 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 Progressive Conservative Party as well. So uh, it's baffling. Well, I mean, there were people obviously defending the work of the uh, foundation, including you know Alan Rock, who's a former Liberal cabinet minister, who basically says all this denouncing of the foundation says more about uh, Pierre Poilievre because it does good work, but it seems to be imploding and. It has asked the uh, uh, Auditor General uh, to look into the background of uh, how the checks happened. But, I mean, that's interesting that Devoir is saying they solicited it. Sounds like a bit of a mess. So um, it, it is. And, and, and I mean, I, I, I understand Alan Rock's position because it funding uh, scholars and research, I think it's a great way, a great way to actually get to some ideas that improve productivity intellectual I, I i understand all of that but what do you think the chinese thought they were getting for their money 
Do you think question. that they good question? What, what were they investing in? Were they mm -hmm. really just investing in a statue of Pierre Trudeau? No, I think that they thought they were getting something for their money when they did it. They happened to do it at the time that uh, Pierre Elliott Trudeau's son had been named leader of the Liberal Party, mm -hmm. uh, and he became prime minister. I think that they probably thought that they were investing in something. Mm -hmm. Some kind of access, it would seem. Exactly. Right. right? Exactly. So, um, okay, well, look, that's that's something that's bubbling away. Um, let's move on to during the break. The Liberals were crisscrossing the country, including the Prime Minister, uh, talking about the budget. The Prime Minister did many town halls. I, I don't know if that had much traction. Uh, the NDP was basically saying, look at me, look at me. We did it all, right? We got dental care and so on. Pierre Poiliev certainly had a different approach. Uh, at his last news conference, he talked about how urban crime uh, can be blamed on the Liberals and the NDP. We've seen a spate of uh, of things, terrible things happening in transit uh, uh, spots across uh, the country, especially in the major cities like Vancouver and Toronto. Uh, but he's also slamming the CBC. That uh, seems to be something that... Um, that he's really uh, taken a keen interest in. What what is he? What's his motive? Do you think in all this? Well, let's let's uh, look at a couple of things. Let's look at the CBC and let's begin with the disclosure that both you and I had very very good careers at the CBC, uh, and and uh, I I enjoyed I enjoyed working there. I was only there for not even a fifth of my career, and I really enjoyed being there. It's a tough job, uh, and but it's it's a wonderful job. He's he's gleaning uh, in the fact that Elon Musk has slapped a um, government funded label on on uh, on the CBC on its Twitter presence. Right. And that's and just I, happened. That's just happened. Right. That's right. Right. Uh, and 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 uh, um, in it, he's he is suggesting that the CBC is a propaganda arm of, of, uh, of the Trudeau government, of the liberal government. Uh I mean, I'm I'm going to turn the tables after I, I after I respond. I never got a call from uh, the PMO telling me what to report. What I, I got lots of calls from the uh, the Liberals and the Conservatives when they were in power mm -hmm. complaining about our coverage. Mm -hmm. uh, I never got a call from them saying do this or else. Nor did Nobody I as a working ever... journalist. I never did yeah. in 25 yeah, years. Lot, no. Lots of complaints from them, mm -hmm. uh, and I know I had pretty good relationships with the presidents and, and with the the managers of news at CBC. None none of those people ever called me up and said, "You better do this or else." So that just didn't didn't happen. But um, in terms of being government funded, yes, it's government funded. Uh, it has to be government funded because it broadcasts in seven indigenous indigenous languages, broadcasts from areas of the country that none of the private broadcasters. Uh, or newspapers, in, in many instances, will serve. It broadcasts to serve minority communities, French language communities in Alberta and in Saskatchewan and Manitoba that the privates would never do, as well as Anglophone communities in Quebec and other places. So it needs that in order to fulfill its role to keep the country together. Um, so I would welcome the government-funded labor. I really would. Right. And I guess it's, it's interesting because none of this is new, uh, you know, like taking aim at the CBC, uh, you know, under the Reform Party and then under Stephen Harper, uh, the CBC was always um, the target of much kind of derision. Uh, but obviously, this is something that uh, he feels that his uh, base will lap up or maybe it's spilling out into more than the base. Who knows? It's the biggest applause line he gets off in the rallies. And, and you're right. It was it was ever thus. 
But he's going to then need to explain to his supporters why he is cutting the English CBC um, and, and leaving French CBC intact. And so then he's going to have to tell those supporters uh, in his uh, bases of support in Alberta, Saskatchewan, and, and, and other places that they are paying their taxpayer money is going to fund a French language broadcasting service in Quebec. Why, why is that? And, and why not an, uh, um, an, an English language uh, broadcast service? Why, why are they paying for French language services in that in, the, in those power base? That's a complicated question. Mm-hmm. Look, does 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 the CBC need a look and need reform? Uh, sure, I, I mean you welcome that. You, you welcome scrutiny, uh, and and you and you always try to get better. Um, but uh, it's 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 a very complicated issue. They do very good work serving communities that would otherwise be abandoned, uh, and and cities as well that have lost their local newspapers or have seen their local newspapers gutted now depend on the CBC. Uh, so um, it'll be interesting to see where he takes it. I feel for our former colleagues at CBC, they've got a great big bullseye on their back. No kidding. Okay, so uh, I, I guess obviously there's another story brewing and it could be big later on this morning. We don't know, but at nine o'clock, PSAC, the the large public sector the government worker union, will have a news conference to say what happens next. They've been in negotiations all weekend. Uh, what happens if they decide to strike? What will it impact? Well, I think some of the things that have hurt the government in the last year will be affected. Certainly passport services will be affected. I, uh, Canadian border services say that they will be able to go ahead. I, I have to imagine that processing people at borders will, will get slower. Um, uh, you hope that security is not affected. Both the RCMP and the people who maintain security at our borders say that, that those essential services will be uh, con- continued. Um, but it's a it's it's it wouldn't be a good look for the government. Uh, it, it would it probably would feed into Mr. Poilievre's suggestion that that Canada is broken if these things start to return and are, and are a problem again. My understanding is that the talks are ongoing, mm-hmm. uh, even with the threat. Um, I, I think the government is going to do everything it can to to uh, try and eliminate a strike. Uh, that being said, it's in a tough spot. Uh, um, the, like they're trying to control inflation. And right. some of the demands, particularly at the CRA, are well outside the rate of inflation, which is between five and six percent right. right now. Uh, and if you put those things into big public service contracts, they become then the milestone, the for, norm, for, kind for, of for the for the rest of right. society, kind of. And all of a sudden, the central bank's uh, goal of trying to limit inflation mm-hmm. becomes that much harder because that's when you get it built into the into the system, or that's when you get structural inflation. Right. Uh, and, and then it becomes one of these self fulfilling prophecies, and almost impas- impossible for the bank to wrestle to the ground without really large increases in in uh, the um, the bank rate, and and that just means the fangs of the recession bite deeper into everybody's back. Right. So, but as the public servants say, don't try to, you know, beat back inflation on our backs. So it's, yeah. it's going to be yeah. very interesting, but they are asking for 4.5% every year for three years. So that's, that's going to be a lot to watch uh, later today as well. So I thank you so much for joining me this morning, Rob, and I'll see you next week. Always a pleasure, Julie. That's Rob Russo, political analyst and former CBC Parliamentary Bureau Chief. The uh, CBC, uh, frankly, is a biased propaganda arm 
of the Liberal Party and frankly, negatively affects all, all media. Now, let's take a look at what political columnists, commentators and editorialists are saying today. At National News Watch, Jake Enright considers Pierre Poilievre's comments about the CBC. He writes, There has been no shortage of outrage about Pierre Poilievre's continued calls to defund the CBC. But he understands that the voting public is in a throw-out-the-bums mood. And he and the senior MPs around him always prefer to be the champions of policy rather than the beneficiaries of it. It's not good enough to get the policy outcome you want. It must be something you made happen. He also understands how single-issue voters think. His support for defunding the CBC is not dissimilar to his support for the Freedom Convoy. He knows some voters will vote for him no matter what. If he promises and delivers on defunding the CBC. Simultaneously, he knows that for most voters who disagree with him, the CBC probably isn't a motivating factor in determining their vote. In an editorial, the Toronto Star argues the Supreme Court ruling won't solve our health care woes. The Star writes, For champions of our health care system, the Supreme Court of Canada delivered welcome news when it declined to hear an appeal of lower British Columbia court rulings, which prevented a Vancouver surgeon charging patients for services if they wished to circumvent waitlists. But the cheering should be faint, if not muted. The end of the legal challenge will not put a dent in wait lists across the country, make finding a doctor easier, or bring burned-out nurses back into the healthcare system. It will not slow the proliferation of private clinics across the country. The Supreme Court's washing of its hands of this challenge will not bring consistency to provincial rules regarding the private-public mix, and it will do nothing about the two-tier system already in place in which patients can use private employer-funded health care to receive treatment. Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will make an innovation and technology jobs announcement. A media availability will follow. He will be joined by the Minister of Innovation, Science and Industry, François-Philippe Champagne. According to the Prime Minister's itinerary, he will then head to Montreal for personal reasons. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will be in private meetings today. Minister of Official Languages Jeanette Pettipot-Taylor will take part in an announcement in Riverview, New Brunswick. International Development Minister Harjit Sajid will announce tourism funding in Vancouver. And the Senate Committee on Official Languages will hear from the Minister of Health Jean-Yves Duclos as part of its study on matters relating to minority language health services. That's CPAC Today in Politics for Monday, April 17th. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.